Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, as usual, David Hoffman. And I'm surprised they haven't kicked me out of the host booth of this whole operation, this whole franchise of Behind the Catch Fence. Well, I guess I'd have to be forcing myself out. But, I mean, I guess I'm doing a decent job. <laughs> uh, they haven't kicked me out, and I guess my commission is chicken nuggets and fries? Maybe? Yeah. Depends on the day. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. No, I'm not sponsored by them, but that'd be cool if they could. Anyway, before I go off on a tangent about how hungry I am right now, <laughs> before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. So go subscribe to them on YouTube. No Copyright Music. We are officially on the 23rd episode of this legendary franchise of a podcast. Well, maybe we're not quite there yet, but our status, yeah, we'll get, we'll get there one day. <laughs> maybe by uh, episode 1000. Oh my, I wonder how old I'll be then. But on today's show, we have one of the most dominating athletes motorsports has ever seen. That man is none other than 16-time NHRA Funny Car Champion, John Force. Force has a resume that even if you split it in half, would still be one of the best careers motorsports has ever seen. With 151 career wins over the span of 40 plus years, John has been a force to be reckoned with for decades. On this episode, John and I talk about a number of topics, including the evolution of the NHRA, how he got his start in funny cars, and endless stories that'll keep you entertained for hours on end. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy this special episode with the legendary John Force. You're young. You weren't even born when I started doing this. I know you tried to get with us before. I want to apologize. There was a lot of issues I couldn't talk about. And, and I had media after me. And I said, if I give it to you, then people that I've known for years are going to say, why won't you? Because it could cost me financially. And I had to make decisions. So you, you got me now. I'm ready. You You're met Sarah? Fine. You met Sarah? Say hi. Come here. <laughs> Sarah, say hi. hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for setting we all, all this social distance. So, anyway, okay. So, what do you want to talk about? And are we oh. live? Are you filming or just talking? I uh, just going. We're actually uh, recording right now. It'll go out on like podcast kind of stuff later on. But I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, we are social distancing. We are abiding by the laws. What state are you in? Uh, I'm actually at a school right now in Virginia. In Virginia. Yep. Okay. I just got off the phone with Florida. Ah. So look, let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, starting off, I saw your granddaughter Harlan visited the uh, indie shop. Uh, how, how was that? Um, indie car people. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's my granddaughter. We NHRA drag race. Of course, they, you know, they're indie car. Uh, but Graham Rayall, I, I knew his dad, uh, a good man, Bobby. Uh, and Graham's a, a great man, a self-driver. And, and of course, so was Courtney. Uh, drove for Advanced Auto Parts, drove for Chevrolet, drove for Traxxas, drove for all of my sponsors. And then they got married. And then they had this beautiful little uh, granddaughter, Harlan, uh, just, and she looks just like a Ray Hall. It's unbelievable. I've heard you've given uh, Grandma a little bit of a hard time. What was your first reaction like when you knew that Courtney and him were uh, together? <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, that's part of my act to always complain. I really love Graham Rahal. He, he lives it. He works it every day. Great driver. Uh, great what he does, uh, you know, with the media. 
and and and, and, and he's just really good at it. So is Robert Height. So is uh, Brittany drives our top fuel car. Robert drives our Auto Club Chevrolet. Brittany drives the Monster Flavor Pack um, top fuel car. Um, but but Graham, very unique individual. Married my daughter, very unique. Great driver. I hated losing her. Ashley, uh, I got grandsons with Ashley. Her husband, Daniel Hood, is my crew chief. Ashley was the first woman to ever win in a fuel funny car. And, and then Courtney was the first. Uh, that, that, well, actually, she won the 100 for women. and But she was a social media queen. She lived it. Uh, you know, Ashley runs our TV production company now. But Brittany lives a social... Courtney lives the social media. So does Brittany. They all do. But uh, Courtney was very unique in a fuel funny car, what she could do, setting records. And then they had this beautiful grandbaby. But what I was starting to say is I got grandchildren, Jacob and Noah and Autumn. Uh, uh, they're driving junior dragsters. They've all won trophies. Uh, Autumn's won for a number of years. Jacob won his first last year and then again this year. And Noah won the four wide at Las Vegas. No crowds. He goes, where's the crowds, Grandpa? But no crowds. And, uh, I, you know, I joked uh, with uh, Ray Hall about uh, Harlan driving a fuel funny car or a top fuel. Well, you know how Dad thinks. She's going to IndyCar. And, uh, uh, but God bless her. Wherever she wants to go, I'll fully support. And maybe uh she'll just uh get a normal job not be out here in these race cars like us being crazy all the time <laughs> hey you never know but um how what has that been like just you know as you've like you know growing up in the sport of just motorsports in general how's that been just seeing your entire family just grow up in that and what's what makes just motorsports in general so special to you you know it's really funny in this pandemic in the last year we had to shut it down for reasons uh uh you know to be able to honor contracts, to be able to do certain things. NHRA, and I always want to thank the race teams that stayed out there, the Hagans that won, the Torrances that won their categories, Top Fuel and Funny Car, for keeping our sport alive. But John Force Racing had to shut down. And uh, so we could come back and fight another day. And now we're heading for West Palm Beach, going to be testing there uh, later in the week. Then we head to the opening of the Gator Nationals uh, in, in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, the new Camping World sponsor. I don't know how NHRA pulled that off, but we're really lucky, and we thank them for personally getting into our sport in a hard in a hard time. But hardest for me was not racing and not being out there, not being with the media, not being with the the, the sponsors, but mostly with the fans. So now we have to, you know, keep our distance, wear a mask. I'm not wearing one now, but nobody's close to me, and and. Uh, and, and, you know, we got to wash our hands. We got to do all that distance between us. We got to do all that stuff right. And uh, we'll get through this. We're going to come back. And, and John Force Racing is coming back. And I'm really excited. But my grandkids, like my daughters, are growing up. And one day, maybe they'll choose the race. Maybe they won't. Uh, Jacob might be a, a hockey player, says he might want to be a construction worker. I don't know where that come from. And uh, uh, Jacob and Autumn, you never know. Uh, they need to go to school, get an education, go to college. Uh, and, and Harlan, I don't have a clue about Harlan. She's in Indy right now with her mom and dad. As you mentioned, just uh, as your grandkids are getting into just drag racing in general, what does like the system look like as you go from just as a younger, like as a, you know, 
just as like a younger kid to going up through the ranks, what does that system look like for drag racing to get up to the top for NHRA? Well, they have the same ranks. It's like a kid playing baseball. You pay, play little league or, or, or grade school ball, junior high, high school. Then you go to semi-pro, the pros. Drag racing is no different. What makes it more unique, I believe, you know, IndyCar, when I was a kid, you know, I saw Bobby Rahal on TV. I always tell people, I was there when he won. I was there watching him on TV when he won the Indy 500. But the, the point is, you know, how do you learn that? Graham raced in, in smaller classes of IndyCar worldwide. And he road raced. He did a lot of stuff. In, in, in NASCAR, kids from California, they're in driving schools out here. It's really hard to get into that. And you have to evolve to, to learn that, how to do it. I, I went to uh, uh, Buck Baker's driving school uh, in, in uh, Rockingham. Uh, they said I ran quick enough to license. I don't know what that means, but I had a lot of fun doing it. Never been in an IndyCar. I think I'm too big to get in an IndyCar. But uh, drag racing, what makes it unique, you can get in your mom's car Put on, if you got a driver's license, put on a helmet and a seat belt and go to a drag strip and you're a drag racer. So kids nowadays, like Little League, they have, they have the, the junior dragsters, which is just like a dragster car, but it's got a little motor. It'll run 60, 80 miles an hour. Then they can evolve up to where my girls started and, and super comp. And that runs, you know, 160. Then they can go to A fuel, which is 260. And then they can go to the pros at 330. So it, it's an evolution of that. Uh, but I always tell them, get an education. It's a computer world, the media world that we're into. I, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to, to media. I just got rid of my flip-flop phone. But what I'm saying is um, uh, uh, an opportunity in drag racing is there for men and women and it is in NASCAR and IndyCar too. But to get into this sport, there's a lot of other opportunities, whether you wanna be a, a, a driver or you wanna be a mechanic or you wanna be a truck driver, you wanna be a chef or an owner. You know, there's so many opportunities in drag racing. We just went down to Barona near San Diego and ran a junior drag race. And in this hard time of people, the work, the economy, the pandemic, I saw 130 entries Wow! and I was shocked. Like, where did all these people come from? Big motor coaches, trucks and trailers. Where do they get their money to do this? These are hobby racers that do it to race with their children. NHRA, the sport will never die. It's strong. It'll come back. And, uh, uh, you know, if you look at the TV last year, they kept it alive. And it was damn good shows NHRA put on on Fox. So let's see where the future goes. And I'm glad to be a part of it. And I want to help. I'm ready to go to work. And you mentioned just uh, going up through the ranks. What was your, what was your first experience with drag racing and how did you get involved with it to begin with? The first car I ever took to a drag strip, uh, at least it was a general motors car. I started my career with Chevrolet. I drove for all Oldsmobile, Pontiac, they're all GM cars. Then I went to Ford for a number of years and, and, uh, but my first car at a drag strip was my mom's, um, uh, she had a 62 Buick Wildcat, red, two door, big engine in it. And I went to the drag strip with it and I actually won a trophy. And I come home that night, so excited. And my dad found out I took mom's car to the drag strip. He saw my surfboard I made in high school in Woodshop. He cut it in half. 
So in the uh, I'm trying to get back to listening to you. I get wound up on these stories. I've been so long. Thank you. But uh, no, my first car was a '54 Chevy, uh, six-cylinder automatic. Uh, you know, on the column. Uh, but then I had uh, '55 Chevys. But I evolved. Then I had a fuel altered. I had a front engine dragster. Nobody even knew I drove a dragster. And, and I evolved, but funny cars is where I started my career in 1974. I went to Australia. You weren't even born then. <laughs> Maybe your dad wasn't born, but in 74, 75, I was in Australia down under, I was driving a truck. I was a teamster and I came back out here and I was hooked and I went racing. I've been racing ever since. And I heard you uh, during that Australia trip, you had, uh, you became, you were like within 10 feet of hitting a cow. What, what was the story behind that? Well, I set the national speed record. I was the first car to ever run over 200. And, and, and uh, I think it was ET record. One of my set, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I was the first car to run in the sevens. I, I can't remember. I think it was a speed record, but they had opened the gates at the end of the track um, in case we had parachute failures or breaks, we'd have a place to go. And I went out in the open field on fire, the last run of the kickoff the, of the Ampole series, it was called. And uh, went out in the field and I remember sitting there and the fire was still burning in the pipes and the side of the car it wasn't serious. And then I saw this thing and I thought it was the moon. And then it turned, there was two of them. I said, well, there are, I haven't hit my head. There's not two moons, but there I looked out that window and it was a cow that had come over a bunch of them and I'd actually drove out into a cow pasture. They never seen anybody go that. And I, I was out of engines, I was broke. And uh, the promoter came, said, you're finished. And the next day, the, the uh, Sydney newspaper said, American runs quickest ever in Australia. I think I ran 202 or something. And, and that was the speed. And I did it with an old high gear car. Everybody else had two speeds and maybe that's why they, they didn't run that fast, but uh, th that kept me alive. They called Sid Waterman racing engines and he built me engines and sent them over there. And, and Gary Dencham and I was there. We finished out the tour. It was spectacular. Wasn't for Gary Dencham. I wouldn't be here today. I'd still be swimming back from Australia. Trust me. <laughs> and I've always wondered this just when it comes to NHRA. Uh, when it comes to just funny cars, top fuel, and uh, pro stock, what are similarities and differences between those two besides just the normal like, look of the car? Well, in the early days, the, the, the top fuel and funny car run the same drivetrain, the same clutch, uh, you know, uh, same engine program, uh, all a little bit different. Uh, pro stock's a complete different animal that's like the Detroit Chevys or Fords or Dodges or Toyotas. And, 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 uh, but uh, they're still a race car. They're very exotic, but I can, I can't speak about pro stock. I'm not that smart, but top fuel and funny car in the early days, the motor in top fuel was out front. The, uh, the engine was out front, uh, but it, it, as it evolved over the years, people like Don Gartlett's put the engine behind them for safety reasons. And, and, um, uh, so that is the difference, but the same drivetrain, the same speeds of 330. Uh, uh, they run a little bit quicker ET, a little bit quicker speed. NHRA keeps trying to slow us down, but these crew chiefs like the Jimmy Prox and the Daniel Hoods and, and the Grubnicks, they figure out a way to go faster. Now the funny car evolved from a street car, uh, but became, uh, you know, they, they, they moved the, 
the 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 front axles they move back you know to to make the car uh, you know to make it more efficient uh, to transfer the weight to the rear axle they 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 took the steel bodies off put the fiberglass bodies on them but the motor was out front now there was an era guys like big jim dunn put the motor in the back of a funny car i even drove jack christman's rear engine funny car uh in in the early days before 74 back in 69 or or uh set early 70s never did anything with it it was it was even chain driven but in the process of that the funny car evolved to what we have today the aerodynamics the fiberglass bodies uh uh, uh um so they're not even fiberglass anymore, uh, made out of a different material. But along the way, uh, the, the funny car evolved. So the dragster and funny car, one has the engine in front, one has the engine in back. The funny car has a Detroit model or, or even a foreign model like Toyota uh, that they run on it. Uh, but still uh, basically completely different, but basically the same thing. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> And uh, just when it comes to just funny car racing that you've been doing for a lot of years, uh, how do you get a competitive edge and just finding ways to just get a little bit better in your competition? I never, I never uh, lived it uh, to ever think about winning. That was always your dream. Always wanting to be Don Ferdome or Don Gartlitz. But, but along the road, uh, Mongoose McEwen, you lived it. But it was about doing a burnout, making a run, racing somebody, you know, I drove the eight, the tr uh, crew cabs and uh, Sh Chevrolet uh, Silverados in those days and pulled a chaparral trailer. Now I got Featherlight trailers. I got 12, 18 wheelers that travel, road show and all that kind of stuff and, and hospitality and media centers and all that. It's a big operation and it's housed out of California and Yorba Linda. We got corporate offices out here, but we have also uh, museums and such, uh, and we assemble show cars, uh, a movie theater out here in California with the production center for making commercials. Then in India is our big shops, Force American Made, paints the cars, build the engine programs, uh, and, and builds the, the blocks and, and, and the heads and blowers. And, and, and then we have chassis shops that, that build our top fuel and funny car. So uh, I got too big for my britches. I got to scale all that back. Money's changing. And uh, you got to figure out in this pandemic how to survive, but it's going to pass in time. So I'm really excited. I got both shots, by the way. So uh, I'm doing well and, and, and uh, got my second shot about two weeks ago. So I'm ready to go. So you got to be old to get them shots to get in there early. I made it. I was lucky. So um, been training all year, losing weight, went on Nutrisystem, not a sponsor, lost 25 pounds. Uh, uh, keep myself in shape so I wouldn't get sick. And I want to come back in the race car and do good. So um, I was way overweight. I, I let it get out of hand. But healthy now, uh, better than I was, and, and uh, just going to go down that road. So uh, so many changes in the sport. Uh, we're lucky to have a new series sponsor with Camping World. Uh, NHRA uh, got to bless them for, for getting that done so we can go back drag racing and get the world back to normal. So I, I think I answered your question. Oh, I'll yeah. get sidetracked, I know, but go ahead, ask it again. Uh, let's see, and then just what you mentioned workout routine, what is like a, how do you stay like physically fit just to be able to drive just a beast of a car like, you know, behind you? <laughs> well, that's what you, you were asking about the competitive edge and I got yeah. sidetracked. 
but one, yeah, trying to keep my weight down, trying to keep my reactions. Uh, we just built a, a half a race car, went in Brittany's house just so she could get in it and practice on the Christmas tree. We have them in our trailers. We have them at our homes. Robert works on it. I work on it. All the drivers do in the sport, how to react. So you got to keep your mind, you know, uh, don't party like I used to, got too old, uh, you know, stopped drinking completely a couple years back uh, for health issues, drinking way too much, loved it. But uh, if I'm going to stay competitive and stay in this deal at, at the age of 70 years old, I, I got a fight cut out up against these young kids. They don't run companies like I do. A lot of them are hired guns. You know what I'm saying? They're just, they're, they're, they're trained to win. And I, and I want to be in the fight. I love it. I love the competition. So winning or losing, I want to win. That's what it's all about. That's what Peak and Chevrolet and, and Auto Club, all these Parker store, all these people that they pay me, uh, you know, to do Baldwin. Uh, this list goes on and on. And uh, uh, that's what we got to do. Winning is what we're all about. But I do love just the racing. I love being part of it and the fans and, you know, it's like a big football team. We're all out there together, put on our helmets and go race. Men against women. So uh, uh, staying competitive is staying in the fight, staying mental. The most important is loving it. Living it every day, seven days a week. Uh, I got a wife that loves me. She just don't like me. She just says, all you talk about is how to keep it financially right and how to win races. That's what it's all about and keep your teams together. And I live it like the people in IndyCar, the people in NASCAR. And if you're lucky to be a hired gun, well, God bless you. Uh, you, you were uh, the chosen few, but uh, it's what we do and we love doing it. I'm sure it has to be a little bit difficult sometimes just when, you know, those more not so good crashes happen. I know you've had your fair share of those. What, what, what goes through your mind having to go through like bigger crashes like that? And how do you move on from that mentally? Well, sometimes you don't even know what happened until you wake up in the helicopter, <clears throat> um, taking you to the emergency hospital. Uh, I've had that a number of times in my career, but so have others. I'm not the only one. And, and these cars are really safe. We build them. My daughter's out there and, 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 and my grandchildren, we, you know, we want to build things that are right. And, and, uh, um, at the end of the day, you, you got to put it aside. You, you got you to be like Tiger Woods. It's funny you bring that up. He's just been through, through some real tough times, and we prayed for him, you know, that, that, that he gets well, and he will. He's a Tiger. He'll be back. But bottom line, um, um, these cars, you got to get in them, and you got to go in the zone like Tiger Woods would do on a golf course. So you can't sit there thinking about, oh, what if it cra crashes? You know, I've always joked, even though we're sponsored by Monster Energy, that monster is, is, is in that cockpit with you. It's in that engine out there in front of you. And when it wants to come after you, you better be in fight mode. Parachutes out, you know, fire extinguishers on, everything you can to keep yourself safe. Stay out of the other lane to protect the other driver. If it gets upside down or on fire, you got to fight. You can't go into panic. And luckily, I've had all these years of experience and it's just stuff you don't forget. You don't think about it. It just happens. So when you go to that start line and you put on that first pre-stage ball and then the second ball and you get ready to react, all of that, like Tiger Woods, has gone away. All of that, things that you, you put it in a zone and you put everything out of your mind, just like a golfer does, like Tiger does, to hit that ball. And um, he's in a zone right now in that hospital to get well and get back on that golf course. And he will. 
all them guys, all the greats of the sport wearing the red shirt to honor him. That shows you how everybody's a family in golf, everybody's a family in football, baseball, and in NASCAR, IndyCar, and especially drag racing. And going back to 20, 2019, one of your uh, not your 150th career win, what, how special is that to you and just your entire family, just knowing you started off years ago and being able to build all, build all that to get to that 150th career win? Well, it was a lot of crew chiefs really led by Austin Coyle, you know, that helped me and Bernie Federley. They were my leads for over, you know, 35 years. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Brian Karate, I want to give him credit. He was lead crew chief on the car when we won 150. Daniel Hood, who run Courtney's car, was backup crew chief. Now Daniel, he's my son-in-law. He runs uh, the peak Chevrolet. Uh, uh, but but uh, peak platinum. I need to say that platinum. Yeah. Okay, go. got it in there. Uh, or am I allowed to announce that yet? Blue Death Platinum. You're fine. Blue Death Platinum. Yep, it's coming. Uh, peak uh, is a lead on Old World Industries. Uh, we have Peak Motor Oil, antifreeze coolant, but but we also have uh, you know the Blue Death Platinum that goes on our truck. So new stuff. We're excited about it. Gave away a Chevrolet Silverado last year. So. Uh, in that program, but I wasn't there racing. So I'm back now to unveil the car. It'll be like this one, but won't have any green on it. It'll have black and silver in it. It's going to be, and, and of course, blue, peak blue. But um, um, what was I talking about? I got lost. I got all excited. Oh, uh, the 150th win. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a special day uh, to get that, to get that monkey off my back, to get it done. But you know, the real truth, um, I know I'm dragging this interview out here. But the real truth, um, uh, it was a part of a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, that worked for me, Dean Antonelli, a lot of people that Mike Neff that ran my cars in, in, in the early days that we got ones, uh, wins, uh, but that day was special. And what really capped it special, a young kid that, uh, that was driving last year, the Montana brand, Austin Proc, he's still with me. We're trying to bring that car back. Uh, but he won his first race ever that day. So to see me win 150 in Austin Proc, his dad, Jimmy, uh, tunes uh, Robert Heights Auto Club Chevy. But to have him win on that day in top fuel, that made it really special. You know what I mean? That, that uh, you know, uh, I'm not going out yet, but, uh, you know, the new coming in and, and uh, we'll get him back. I hope he stays with me long enough till I can get that car back. But it, but it, it's a fight I've got because money's tough right now. But right. I've got a lot of good partners. And the final two questions, they're a little bit more, you know, fun questions. What's a question you're surprised you haven't been asked before this throughout your entire career? I had a guy come up to me once and a gal, they were farmers um, and, and they had me sign their pig. They had a little pig and they said, would you sign it? And, and people ask me, you know, uh, you, you just, and I've had, I've had motorcycle guys like Hell's Angels come up to me. A guy wanted me to sign his girlfriend and I didn't do it. And I thought I got choked to death right there at the ropes. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, certain things are personal. And, and uh, I didn't know if she wanted her shoulder signed. You know what I mean? And uh, but a lot of things like that. And, and we do whatever it takes because the fans are the reason they're our lifeline. They're why we're here. And through them, we sell our products or, or, or we wouldn't be out here. But. It's, it's very um, questions that I've been asked. I've been asked everything. I've been asked, why do you do it? 
you know, why do you continue doing this at your age? That's probably the biggest question because I'm good at it. I can race with these kids. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I got to, you know, jump in there deep on that Christmas tree to try to get a reaction time, which, which gives you a better reaction time, but it gives you a slower ET. But it's mental for me how to get up into that fight. You ask about how to stay in that fight. You got to turn that switch on. And I don't do it till I get in that car. And after the burnouts, when I get mental and I become this other person, you know what I mean? Um, uh, to try to find that fight. And that's what I really love about it. So I've been asked questions uh, that I couldn't repeat on your, even on your TV show. Uh, final question. Uh, you've been a big fan of movies in Hollywood. Out of all the movies that you've watched and loved, is there one in particular that you would have loved to be able to be on? Well, you know, I've been in church more this year in the Catholic church than I've ever been going with my wife and my grandkids because I've had the time I'm home here. And then it, at the races, they have races for Christ. They have church there on Sundays, but I, I've had more time. Um, what was the question? What'd you ask? Oh, just to, uh, if you could be in any movie that you've watched over the years. Oh, movies. Uh, they, they, they shut the movies down. I, I built a movie theater here years ago because we do shows with the city and the schools and, and, and bring the kids here. Uh, and Ashley produces movies. Uh, they've already done a book on me. Uh, I had sold and I sat on it and I sat on the movie script too. I don't, I don't want to do it. I want to, my, I keep reinventing myself. I keep starting up again to go racing uh, and, 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 and my family keeps evolving and winning and I want them all to be a part of it. So I don't want a beginning and an end. I'm just not there yet. But um, uh, movies, uh, I got into religion a minute ago talking about church more, but I learned more from movies like the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, just uh, things that matter to me. I, I follow a lot of that. I like religious movies and I watch them, uh, you know, um, you know, when they have a, they run those a lot of times or just be movies for a week or two, uh, you know, on, on, on the Bible and stuff. Uh, but that... Uh, Movies uh, like the Titanic was one of my all-time favorites. Um, um, uh, I could go on and on because I go back a million years in movies. Uh, probably Jurassic Park because I grew up loving dinosaurs and making little clay sculptures when I was a kid in school. Uh, uh, E.T., uh, you know, was one of my favorite, but probably my all-time was Spielberg's Jaws. Uh, I grew up on the beaches of California surfing, even got a Woody in my museum upstairs, a Ford Woody. And, and uh, 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 at the end of it, uh, supposed to be plugging Chevrolet and then I'm plugging Ford. See, you're getting me here. But, but uh, the movie Jaws, uh, wasn't, after you saw the movie Jaws, you didn't want to go back in the water. You know, I haven't surfed since. And I went to Australia down under where I saw Jaws could swallow, it could swallow a small Chevrolet. Let's just say that. Uh, so uh, a lot of movies, but a lot of them that are out now. I, I'm a movie freak. Uh, that's probably the hardest thing in the pandemic is not racing. And number two is the movies. But I get more time with my family, and that's really good. So now you watch Netflix. You're at home. You can watch it. You know what I mean? I have a theater in my home. I never watch it. Don't, ain't not smart enough to turn it on. Okay, are you getting anything here? You want to know this stuff I never tell people? 
That's awesome. Um, and that's all the questions I have. I appreciate you just coming on the show, just talking about everything just from drag racing, uh, your faith. I, you know, being a you know, faith-based person myself, it's cool just to hear, you know, people like you just being ambassadors for that. Love what I do in drag racing. Love my family, um, my wife, my kids, uh, and, and my and my my grandchildren, uh, the boys and the girls, uh, my grandchildren. But I want to clarify, I love Graham Rahal. Gave me that beautiful baby with Courtney uh, Harlan, and, and and he's a great racer. And he's in Indy building there. Uh, he's building his own shops. Uh, you know, he's got businesses. He just bought a big Ducati, a motorcycle deal. And he's uh, wheels and tires and all this stuff on cars that I could never, uh, you know, I have cars in my museum and I have some exotic cars, but he does uh, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Porsches and whatever kind of stuff he comes up with, uh, you know, Corvettes and Chevy does a little bit of everything, but he's very go-getter. You know, he's like his dad. And um, they, we all know one day we got to get out of these race cars, uh, got to have a retirement. So, uh, and then there's Robert Hyde, president of my company, runs everything day to day. Daniel Hood uh, works with my dog, runs a race team for me, but also, uh, you know, works with Ashley to build production, uh, you know, movies and commercials and social media stuff. And my daughter, Adra, uh, you know, she's a, uh, she runs all the money in this company. I'm not smart enough. You know what I mean? She makes it all happen. And then, of course, uh, now, uh, you know, Brittany's still driving and working in the offices when they're home and has been for the last year. So we've kept busy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, it's over ahead. It ain't over yet, but it's heading in the right direction. And uh, nobody can call it from here, but I'm going to be positive because I believe God leads us all. I won't get into religion. I won't get into politics, but... Uh, God bless America and, and the first responders. Thank you for all that you've done out there to protect everybody, uh, the families and the, the older folks. And, 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 and I want to thank the men and women in, in, the, in the military, the armed forces, uh, you know, National Guard, Army, Air Force, Marines. Uh, and and, and uh, I just want to thank you and, and uh, uh, for keeping America great. And uh, I think I've said it all. Uh, uh, you you look like a rock star. You ought to get into the movies and make some movies. They're looking for new movie stars. So you'll be fine. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Jeff, for all your kind words. And thank you just for all your insight. <laughs> and okay. good luck this season. <laughs> thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest John Force. It was an unbelievable experience being able to learn so much about the sport of the NHRA and seeing firsthand just how genuine and incredible of a person that John is. Growing up, it was always so much fun tuning in on TV and getting excited to see John race just because you knew he'd push it to the limit and just give his all and obviously he'd have some of the best interviews TV has ever seen as well. I'd like to thank John Force's PR director, Sarah Slaughter, for making this all happen and I'd also like to thank John once again for coming on to the podcast. With that, we're just about out of time for today's episode, so look for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at Behind Catch. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you later. Peace.